You're now listening to Adulting with Vicky. It's a coming-of-age podcast about millennials navigating adulthood. I'll talk about anything from life after college to bridging generational gaps, social media, and most importantly, being your best self. Join me, Vicky Wynn, as I figure out how to be an adult. Hey guys, and welcome back to Adulting with Vicky. This week, I am very excited to sit down with Kayla Bell. She is a 20-freaking-four-year-old founder and CEO of Arrow and Phoenix Swimwear, and their mission? To empower women, give back to the community, and provide creative, affordable, and comfortable swimwear that celebrates diversity and sustainability, as well as positivity. That's a lot of things that a brand stands for, and honestly, I love it. I love that it includes all of these things. So I was very excited to hear from Kayla and have her on the show. So hey, Kayla, how are you doing today? Hi, Vicky. I'm good. I'm so excited to do this, and I'm so appreciative of all of your support for my brand and I, so we're excited for this. Yeah. I mean, just to give the listeners a little bit of background about the brand, why don't you talk about kind of what it stands for, where it came from, and all that good stuff. So Arrow and Phoenix started from a place where I was essentially a 38 triple D bra cup size, but I'm really short. I'm like five foot four. I am pretty petite. So it was almost impossible for me to find swimsuit tops, especially that not only fit me well and were supportive, but were also cute and didn't look like something that my grandmothers would wear. (laughs) So it kind of started from there. I just wanted to create something that was functional. Um, It was something that every woman can kind of wear, especially the petite girls who are top heavy like myself. It's almost impossible for us to find things that are essentially well fitted and look really cute. So that's where the brand came from. And then as I went on, Kind of as I was embarking on the journey of doing a brand that was swimwear based, I knew for a fact that I wanted to use sustainable materials. And I didn't exactly know where to start. I just knew that it was important to me because I feel if we don't take care of the ocean, the environment, and just the planet that we live on in general, we won't have any beaches to go to to show off our swimsuits. So it's just super important to me. And that was always at the front of my being of creating Arrow and Phoenix. So it extended past the fact that I wanted to have cute swimsuits. I wanted to ensure that we were doing something for the ocean and something that was also body positive. You are 24 years old, correct? Yes, I'm 20. I just had my 24th birthday. Ooh, happy belated birthday. Um, Yeah, I mean, I can't really wrap my head around how you figured out how to do this, except for maybe guessing that a lot of Google was involved or something. Um, So how? why don't you walk me through you building this concept? When did it start? How did you start? How did you, you know, start reaching out to the right people to get the ball rolling with this company? So for me, I honestly started this brand when I was 16 years old. At seven years old, I knew I wanted to be in fashion. It was concrete. Um, The only other backup plan I had, which is insane, at seven years old was that I was going to be a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to save the oceans or I'm going to be a therapist. Yeah. (laughs) 
was like, if fashion doesn't work out, I'm definitely going to school to be a psychologist and I'm going to be a therapist. And it's wild because I still essentially use a lot of kind of like psychology knowledge, I guess, Mm -hmm. because I ended up going to school for psychology for a little bit while I was in fashion school. But it's wild because it's at a young age, I definitely knew what I wanted to do. So at about 16 years old, it was concrete that I was going to do swimwear. I had no idea as to where to begin. Of course, Instagram was not around at that time. I think mm-hmm. was barely around. And it was kind of, it was really a lot of trial and error and a lot of research that went into it. And mind you, when I was 16, that wasn't that long ago, but sustainability was not as big of a topic as it is now. And having a body positive line at that time was not as popular as it is now. So a lot of the things that I wanted were non-negotiables for me, but it was really hard to find different people to help me like facilitate this. So I started doing everything, you know, just on my own. I researched a lot when I was towards the end of my high school year. I graduated when I was 17. So at like 17, 18, I started working at Victoria's Secret. And that's when I got more into visual merchandising, which is what I have my college degree in. And as I was merchandising a lot of different things, I noticed that Victoria's Secret was like, for me, they're one of the only brands that made bras and swimsuits that I could possibly wear. I might have to alter it myself a little bit, but it was the closest thing I could get to getting something store-bought and being able to put it directly on my body. So Mm. I started working for them. And in 2012, they started downsizing. And so they started getting rid of most of their larger cup sizes in swimwear and in their bras. And I was like, what the heck? Yeah, it's like, you're the only one that had this. I need it. Exactly. It's like, wait a minute. The only people that have this are like now going out of not going out of business, but they're getting rid of all these sizes. Are you kidding me? So as I worked, I worked with customers directly. I always listened to their grievances. I was a bra specialist. So it was kind of like the VIP service of selling bras and swimsuits. Mm -hmm. So the more that I started to understand, I wasn't the only person with this struggle with swimsuits. I was like, okay, now it's time for me to just really hone in on exactly what I want because now there's a market for it. Mm-hmm. Like before it was just me kind of like wanting to do my own thing. And, you know, it was very much like, oh, whoever buys it, buys it. But then as I got to see customers who were coming in to me with their own issues in different hardships that they were having trying to find the swimsuits, I was like, okay, no, there's a market for this. Now's the time to do it. So 16 to 18 years old, that was a lot of research. At 18, I got in contact with my very first fabric vendor, which was fantastic. And they were based in LA. And I kind of started going into, you know, what it means to be sustainable. Do I want just a sustainable yarn? Do I want a recycled fabric? Like all these other different nuances that come with swimwear design, especially in the sustainable realm. Mm -hmm. So it took a lot of trial and error, um, a lot of different fabric vendors. I went through, gosh, I've gone through like three or four manufacturers. I don't have a PR team. I do essentially everything myself, especially with the first few collections that we did. I did everything from sketch them to pattern make for them, which I never went to school for. So I have all the respect in the world for pattern makers because that is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, 
it's it's insanely hard. So it just took a lot of research and honestly just a lot of trial and error. But I think the thing that I'm most proud of is the fact that I stuck to my guns. Because like I said, when I first started this, when I was 16 years old, that was like 2010, sustainability and body positivity weren't necessarily at the forefront of fashion. It was mm-hmm. kind of like... You heard people talk about it. There were a few options, but they weren't heavily publicized the way that they are now. And, you know, having campaigns even back then that featured models of all different skin tones and, you know, ethnic backgrounds, like that was not the norm. And those were things that I was like, no, these are non-negotiables. This is exactly what I want. Yeah. I mean, I feel like at that time in 2010, from what I could remember, I felt like diversity um, in terms of ethnic terms and bodies and all that stuff. I feel like it was an afterthought where the commercials, you know, they had kind of the same bodies, the same skin tone, the same people on every ad. And I remember, you know, we're, we're the same age. So at that time, I just felt like, oh, I don't see anyone uh, on there who looks like me. So I don't know if there's something wrong with my body or if there's something wrong with me. And so I think it's great that you know, you're, you change it from being an afterthought to being your driving force. Definitely. Definitely. Because for me, I'm from New Orleans and New Orleans is a melting pot. And then on top of being from New Orleans, I'm an Afro-Latina. I'm African-American and Cuban and Dominican. So it's like, you know, even just being Dominican, you see so many women and individuals who are lighter skinned with straight hair or darker skinned with curly hair or have blue eyes, green eyes. And the same thing with every culture, like no two individuals look the same. And I think that that's so beautiful because another thing I wanted with my brand was the fact that I wanted everything made in America, which made it even more of a needle in a haystack kind of situation. Oh, yeah. I just, that was another thing that I stuck to my guns on. I wanted it made in America. And then not only to be made in America, but to represent what our country stands for. And that's diversity in every way, shape and form. So, you know, I think now some people are losing sight of that. But I think at the core, you know, that's what this country essentially was founded on. And I think it's beautiful that no two people look alike. And that should always be celebrated. Like I want every little girl, even little boys. Like if you want to wear a swimsuit, I want you to feel represented. If you, even if you don't with other brands, I definitely want you to feel represented with my brand. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, I feel so warm. <laughs> no, really, but I, I really do love that. I think it's amazing. And I mean, you're, you're building this company with such a beautiful message and you're doing it at such a young age with your background in fashion um so not necessarily business though I'm sure you picked up a lot of things along the way with your research and um maybe some other courses that you took upon yourself but I'm sure there are probably a lot of challenges and pitfalls as well as great successes right yes oh my goodness there's so many pitfalls and I don't even know where to begin. Like (laughs) money and financials is the first thing. That's like a huge thing when you're starting a business. And I really feel like I, even though I did the research, I think I totally underestimated how much money it costs. And I am pretty proud to say I've never had not one investor with my business thus far. I'm never going to say never because that may change. But at the moment, I... From day one, I've never had an investor. So everything that 
Arrow and Phoenix has been built on monetary wise has been the money from my own pockets for me, like working nine to five jobs or working in retail. I worked in retail for a long time. And, you know, now for the past almost 10 years, I've been working as a entertainment stylist and costume designer. So that's one of the biggest pitfalls I have to say is always a really hard thing because you can meet the right manufacturer. You can get the perfect fabric vendor mm-hmm. and you can have all these different ideas in your head and sketch them out. But it's like, oh, crap, where is this money going to come from to yeah. produce this new collection? And people, you know, as as supportive as my customers have been, people don't buy what they can't see. So it's mm-hmm. like you can have the greatest team, the greatest ideas around but if you don't have the money to back up all of those things, it's kind of like, okay, we now have to start from scratch. And it's like getting the money and, you know, putting together a team. So that's one of the biggest pitfalls. I would say one of the other biggest pitfalls is just being a woman and being a young woman that people underestimate you. And a lot of manufacturers that I was reaching out to years old were not mm-hmm. taking me seriously. I was reaching out to them again at 18 years old. They were not taking me seriously. I reach out to some now because I just finally got into a groove. But a couple of months ago, I was reaching out to different manufacturers and none of them were still taking me seriously at 23, 24. So that's a huge pitfall because it's like you know what your goals are. You know that you're a hard worker. You know what it is that you're doing. But to have other people kind of count you out before you can even get started is Mm -hmm. like the most annoying thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, so then this brings on a question to you. So how did you get people to take you seriously? Because I think a lot of the times when people are early on their career and they have these big goals, I'm sure they go through this too, where people are like, oh, you're just being idealistic and you're not having a real plan. You just like the idea of XYZ. And so what did you do to get people to listen to you, especially as a young woman of color? I think that's where my parents stepping in really helped out a lot because from day one, they've always been really supportive of like I've worked in the creative field and I know as a parent, like that isn't always (laughs) the easiest career to support your kid on. But my parents have always been very, very supportive of me since day one, even when I know for a fact that there were times that they didn't necessarily like they believed in me and they knew I could do it, Mm -hmm. but just kind of like, hmm don't you want to just have like a backup nine to five job just in case? And I'm like, no, if I have too much time at this nine to five situation, I won't have time to build a successful business. And so they kind of, you know, saw me doing things and they really helped as far as getting people to take me seriously, whether it was my mom, who is an English major, reading over my business plans or Mm. my dad, you know, reaching out to some of his fraternity brothers who were lawyers and, you know, having me really build a team of solid professionals who were older than me, who essentially had done they were never in fashion but they had resources and they would say you know they would you know they kind of backed me up so it wasn't just having my parents support but also having the support of their friends as well who were working professionals and were you know the lawyers for the fortune 500 companies it's a different story if you know I'm an 18 year old coming to you with a well thought out business plan that a professor 
helped me with or that my mom helped me with. And then I turn around and not only have a business plan, but I have a lawyer who is also the lawyer for NASCAR. And, you know, I have all these different things. So people were forced a little bit to kind of take me more seriously. And then I counteract that with those who didn't take me seriously. They'll remember, you know, when I do get really big, they'll say, Mm -hmm. oh, I remember her knocking on the door and darn, we should have answered. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what it sounds like and what I think a lot of people can think about is you need to build your credibility however you can, especially at this age or especially at the start of any career or business because you don't have any proof that they can see, oh, yeah, this will be successful. But by having a credible team backing you up, how can they not? Exactly. And I think from the business side, I work like now I'm starting to get to a point where I can employ um, different individuals for different jobs that are underneath the company's umbrella. Mm -hmm. And it's so fun getting to be on the other side of things and create opportunities for younger women or men who are just as hungry as I was and still am. So it's cool because I think by us having social media, we are having a lot more younger entrepreneurs who can open doors for other aspiring young entrepreneurs. So the narrative of business is changing. And I think it's in a, you know, in some ways, I think it's definitely in a more positive way. So now, hopefully, the next generation age won't necessarily be a thing where oh, you're not 18, so you're automatically turned around. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be a lot more doors that have been opened for the newer generations to start whatever businesses and companies that they want to. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, so your team now, what does it consist of? So my team, up until a couple of months ago, another pitfall, (laughs) my team just um, unexpectedly passed away two weeks before we were launching the summer 2018 collection. And we had already signed on to do Miami Swim Week, which is a huge deal, as well as DC Swim Week. Yeah. So that was... I'm so sorry. Thank you. That was really hard. So at the time for... That was in June of this year. So at the time, I had been working with her for over six months. And essentially, the team was she and I. And she was fantastic. She understood my every idea. Mm -hmm. She was able, like, she was my essential right hand. And we just had each other's backs and really, you know, did work on this company. But before her, it was just me. And since her untimely passing, um, I've been so grateful that I was able to find not only one, but two manufacturers in Las Vegas who I absolutely adore. And they're both women. Um, They both have been in the game for like 25 years as far as swimwear construction goes. So aside from me, it's my two seamstresses. And then I have um, a blogging intern who is absolutely fantastic. And She's a yoga instructor and she's she's phenomenal. And then I have a content creator that I just brought on and she is a photographer based out in L.A. And so she really comes up with different concepts or I'll come up with concepts and she's there to execute them when I can't be or, you know, just little things that kind of it's just good to have finally a team that I can bounce ideas off of because for so long it was just me and then I'd be calling my mom like what do you think of this what do you think of that and of course she's not in the same age bracket so she's <laughs> she like, like isn't that gonna be a little revealing 
or like exactly. I don't <laughs> exactly well, trying to explain thing. trends to your parents is hard sometimes oh my god it's so hard but the one thing I can say is that my mom is the greatest and I get a lot of my innate fashion sense from her so I thank awesome. goodness like I never had to deal with her being like oh don't you want to cover that up she's like well you would wear it so do your thing and I think that was something that's really important too was by working and just creating this company myself and not having the input of other people in the early stages especially I think I had to trust my designer's intuition a lot and Mm. just stand by decisions I made like there were a couple of swimsuits that in my head I was like I don't know if people were gonna buy this and my mom's only question to me would be like well would you buy it and I'm like absolutely she's like okay then so other people if they're smart they'll get on with it and if not then it's just not for them so yeah I mean that I think that's a really great way of thinking about it actually because instead of figuring out what will please the customer it's more of pleasing yourself you'll attract the customers that you built this for exactly exactly and I think that with social media I guess that's one of the kind of cons of having social media and why things tend to look the same is because it's easy to go on like a really popular swimwear brand's Instagram and they have 3,000 likes and then you go and make the same exact swimsuit in a different color you can do that but people's still aren't going to buy it like because they can get they've been getting that swimsuit from somewhere else so it's yeah. up to you to just stick to your guns and dig your feet in and say no this is what I'm going to create this is what I'm going to do and I have to be satisfied in that and I have to be excited about it like for me you know some pieces I think for some people are minimal but there's not one piece that's on my site now that I don't a already own b wouldn't wear So I think that speaks more and that just makes me happy because there's not, you know, when we were doing this collection, especially Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I was my least favorite piece and I didn't have one. And then when I did have one, I would go in and tweak it and then it would become my favorite. And then I would say, okay, now what's my least favorite piece? And then I would go in and tweak that one. So it's just always kind of like the only person you should be in competition with is yourself. That's it. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And that actually kind of brings up a kind of a question for me on how you deal with your process. So, you know, it's great that you always take your least favorite and improve on it. But if you're constantly doing that with all of them, when do you draw the line at, okay, I need to stop tweaking. It's good how it is. Don't mess with it anymore. Because because a lot of the times, you know, when things are our baby, we always want to tweak, we always want to fix it, and we're never satisfied with our work. So how do you measure when you're satisfied with it or when it's good enough for you? I think for me, when it's good enough for me, I don't have any qualms about it. It's something that I just get like super giddy about, especially seeing the individual pieces that I'm doing. Um, It just makes me happy. So that's when I kind of know, okay, this is it. That's when, like, does that make sense? That's kind of where that satisfaction comes from. And I think, like I was saying before, I kind of would look at things and say, okay, well, this is my least favorite piece. Let me tweak it. And then it would become my favorite, then my least favorite. At some, because I know how I am, 
I put every bit of me into everything that I do. So I know if it were up to me, I'd never stop tweaking anything. (laughs) But at some point, it's like, okay, that's kind of like when I step back, I look at the whole picture, whether it's a shoot or a collection or a color scheme, a concept board, no matter what it is, I kind of step back and I look at the overall collective and I go, oh, this looks great. This is this is essentially me. Could I change something? Yes. But essentially, like, I'm really happy with what's there. So let's put it out. And that's when I know I'm ready to put it out. And it's it's already done. I think that's a really helpful approach for a lot of people to adapt to their own lives or projects too, because I think when we stand too close to something, it's hard to see any of the 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 errors or to just kind of get too into the details that we forget the big picture. And so it sounds like for you, you, you kind of switch in between like, okay, now I'm going to look at everything intricately. Now I'm going to take a step back and see it all together. Like that, that is helpful for so many people, I think. Yeah, that's, I think, honestly, that's kind of where my visual merchandising background comes in. Because at some point, you can only dress and undress a mannequin so many times before you're like, okay, you know what, overall, it fits the store. And so I just took that same approach and applied it to my brand. So whether, you know, it's concepts for the newer collections, it's like, okay, does everything fit? Is it cohesive enough? Yes, Overall, do we like the product? Yes, let's put it out into the world. Okay, so it's subjective of when you're satisfied, right? Yeah, definitely. So then when it comes to success, how do you measure that? Because that's kind of a whole nother type of ballpark because you can be happy with it and be totally fine with it. But then at what point do you see yourself as successful? Because, you know, me being an outside person, I look at you And just from like the bird's eye point of view, it's like, okay, 24 year old founder, CEO of her own swimmer company, it's up and running. It has a great brand and she employs people. She creates opportunities. For me, that already seems successful, but I don't know your day to day. I don't know all of your hardships and all of these things. Like I don't, so for you, how do you know when you're successful and how do you feel when other people think you're successful, but you know, you have tons of work to do? Um, I think that that's that's a little bit harder because it changes by the day, honestly. And I'm trying to get better at being consistent on feeling successful. Mm -hmm. So me as an individual, I've always been and pray that I always am. I'm a really positive person. I'm always the person that's like, dark cloud and I'm like oh but there's a speck of sun so let's just chase that light like that's (laughs) yeah oh I try to but I mean that's not to say that I definitely don't have bad days or days where I don't feel successful and I think that's when it comes into just trying to look at the bigger picture you know Mm -hmm. I have to remind myself sometimes that I am 24 and I have built this business on my own and do I have a long way to go absolutely am I in the ballpark of where I want to be No, but I am getting started. I have a strong foundation. And honestly, what is going to sound so cheesy, but what gets me through is when people buy my swimsuits and they love them. When I'm getting DMs on Instagram about how it fits or, you know, where they're wearing it to or how like the skincare smells or like all of those, you know, 
things may be little to somebody else, but they mean the absolute world to me because I put so much into this brand that I'm like, okay, if one person is happy with what I'm doing, at least I have one consistent customer and they're happy. And for me, that's more of what it's about. And I think that, you know, there's different levels to success. I think there's personal success. Mm -hmm. There's monetary success for a business and personal. And then there's critical acclaim. So the critical acclaim is there. And that just being, like I said, with the customers letting me know how they feel about the products or, you know, how they feel about the collection or, you know, that sort of a thing. But from there, I think success is super subjective. And, you know, like I said, there's days where I don't see the success at all. And I really, really try. But those are just bad days. But overall, I think success is really subjective. Yeah. And hey, you're on your road to where you want to be anyway. So that's all that really matters. So Aaron Phoenix, what is next for it? What is what's coming out? So next is, oh my goodness, we have something really, really cool coming out. We have um, another collection. We just released part one of fall 2018. And then we have the second and third installments of fall 2018 that are going to be coming out pretty soon. And we've kind of let the cat out of the bag because excitement just took over, but we're introducing Erwin Phoenix sweat, which is going to be our activewear component. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm so freaking excited. (laughs) So you guys, I'm honestly on her website right now and I'm scrolling through all of this stuff is real cute. And so I'm so excited. So when um so when is the sweat collection dropping and when how long are part one and part two going to be available for? So part one and part two of fall, everything underneath the fall 2018 umbrella are going to be available until January. And then we're going to be kind of introducing spring swim, which I'm really, really excited about. All I can say is it's metallic. So let your mind just run wild as far as that's concerned. But that's the only little nugget I can give away for spring 2019. So we're going to keep fall around until January. And sweat is going to drop. We're shooting it in November and it's going to drop in December. So it's going to be right on time for everyone who, you know, is getting ready for their New Year's resolutions, whether they are waiting until January 1st to get started or they're looking to get a jump onto things. And our bra cup sizes for the sports bras are going to go all the way up to a size H. Just like somewhere. So that is amazing. Thank you. Yeah, there's something for everyone. And again, you know, we're carrying it over. I've had some people since they've seen um us kind of introducing sweat into the mix. They've been asking if it's gonna be sustainable and it is a hundred percent sustainable. It's also made from recycled water bottles and it's a hundred percent eco-friendly. So same stuff. Awesome. And how can people keep up with Aaron Phoenix? The best way to keep up with us, we're on Instagram at Aaron Phoenix Swim. And then we just launched our other page called at Aaron Phoenix Sweat. So the websites are the same, whether you follow one or the other. But if you're more interested in the sweat and what we're doing with that, you can follow Sweat. And if you're more interested in Swim, you can follow the Swim page or you can follow both. Totally up to you. 
Awesome. And then as for personal, do you post like your personal journey type of stuff on there? I am. I'm honestly just now getting into it. Um, we have our blog called The Wave, and there's a direct link to that on our Instagram as well as our website. So it'll say like Catch the Wave. And I'm starting to upload a lot more of my personal journey as well as the personal journeys of some of my friends as well who are fellow girl bosses and have started companies that are super successful and, you know, are kind of on their own wave, essentially. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm definitely sharing a lot more of my personal journey, which is awesome, because it starts with this podcast. So this is really cool. Awesome. And so then um, what's that handle? That handle is at I am Kayla Bell underscore. Okay, great. So thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so excited about your brand. I know you and I personally have some very exciting things cooking up relating to it. So listeners, stay tuned. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. As always, thank you for tuning in to Adulting with Vicky. I'm continually working hard to improve the show. So if you have any feedback or topic ideas or want advice on anything, you can get in contact with me online at victoriadnguyen.com or hello.victoriadnguyen at gmail.com. Audio engineering by Rogelio Arenador. Intro remix courtesy of Shadow. Find him on Instagram as lshadow. That's E-L-S-H-D-W. You can also keep up with me via Instagram. My handle is victoriadnguyen underscore. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. And if you have a minute, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and write a review for the show. Thank you so much again, guys. I'll talk to you next week.